Okay, if you would please turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. I'll be reading Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 to 19. Hebrews 13, 17 to 19. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. And Father, I am fallible, but your word is not. So bless us and allow me to say what is here and its implications and with clarifications that which is true and in line with your spirit to the glory of your name and to the benefit of us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So this exhortation here, towards the end of this book of Hebrews, it's to the local church, this Christian community. And it does not fit very easily into our own every man for himself American individualism spirit. The text... The exhortation, the command says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Last week we began here in verse 17 and, and we just isolated mainly leader, leadership. In the scripture, what does that mean? And we saw that leaders, it's, it's the same thing as what the New Testament calls elders, which is the same thing as overseers, which is the same shepherds, and that their function is to govern, make decisions, rule, and to teach the Scripture. And that they will give an account to Jesus how they protected, watched over, or on behalf of the souls of the people and particularly by being an example of the teaching. Now, concerning that leadership in the local church, verse 17 again says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. 
Now, those two words, those two, those two Greek words translated, obey and submit, mean obey and submit. Obey means to go along with the direction. In the context of that, that given, it means go along with the direction of the unfolding of the inerrant, infallible Scripture, the Gospel, the Word of God, which was once and for all delivered. In other words, at its core, obey the Bible as it is being filtered through preaching and teaching in the local church. And then that word submission, I think, points more to a disposition, an attitude. We all know that a person could outwardly be obeying while not being submissive. Now, every one of us who has raised children no, that's true. I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Submission implies a, a disposition, a disposition that flows out of trust. You, you trust it, that the leaders have your best interest at heart, and so you gladly follow. L like a preeminent ice skater where the parents would pay lots of money to this coach. And, and she would submit to waking up at 3.30 every morning and getting to the ice skating rink at 4. And she would submit to grueling workouts because she trusts this coach is going to get me to where I want to go. An Olympic medal. Obey. And submit, now notice the text, because they keep watch or on behalf of, literally, over your souls. So the whole point is clear. That command is meant to be a blessing, not a curse. In the New Testament, it's just crystal clear that, that leaders and elders are part of what New Testament church communities consist of. So, so Luke tells us, after Paul and Barnabas and their team planted numerous churches in, in many cities in the first missionary journey, he says this in Acts 14.23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed and Paul writes to pastor Timothy and he says this in 1 Timothy 1:5 this is why not Timothy Titus 1:5 this is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town 
as I directed you. So our text says, follow their leadership, essentially. Obey and submit. So as we saw last week, God establishes authorities. And he says, obey the government. Well, I mean, that's clear in Romans 13. And within the American Christian church, American Evangelical Christian church, there is a lot of division starting in 2020 and 2021. What does that mean? I mean, we stood with a place with, you're telling us when we can have church or if we can have church? Our stance was no, we will not obey. The question is, is that disobedience? Many Christians wanted to argue yes. Well, because they're outside their bounds of authority in the blessing that God made civil government to be. So yes, obey the civil government. They're a minister of God. Well, unless, and there's that unless. Unless they're clearly directing things that God says, do this. And they say, you don't do this. Or vice versa. It's the same thing with husband's authority in a family. There are so many men who took what Bible says and sinned with it. And, and abused their spouse, their wife. Instead of lead. So the text says, obey and submit to the leadership in the local church. Unless it is clearly against scripture in what they are teaching in doctrine or in practice, how you live. So verse 17 is clear that the church should submit to godly. That's what he's referring to. Godly, biblical church leadership. We know, we know this because the New Testament itself lets us know that when there are abusive leaders, they should be confronted and ultimately removed. From serving as elders. Paul says, for instance, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting with verse 19, Timothy, and this is how you're supposed to instruct all the elders there too, and the congregations, do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Well, then you do. And as for those then who don't repent, but persist in sin, those elders rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Okay. So, let me be clear first on what obey and submit does not mean. It does not mean in this church or should not mean in any church around planet Earth to 
the Christians in that local church. It does not mean follow blindly your leaders without thinking or without questioning, without trying to be clear on where they are leading you. Doesn't mean that. No, no Christian, in other words, is called to obey and follow Jim Jones. Five of us understood that statement. When, when some of us are in high school, there was, a, started off as a Christian pastor, eventually became a horrific cult that eventually they all drank the poisoned Kool-Aid and there was a hundred and something, or something like that or more, 400, 400, Chris knows, look at that, he studies history and drank the poison and committed mass suicide. That is not what this text is teaching. I, I think John Calvin, pastor, great Bible expositor, preacher in the 1500s, in his commentary on the book of Hebrews in this verse, Calvin writes, the writer here, speaks only of those who faithfully perform their office. For they who have nothing but the title, nay, use the title of pastors for the purpose of destroying the church, they deserve but little reverence and still less confidence. Some leaders and their theology of leadership in the church have browbeaten and intimidated people, God's people, into an ungodly submission, into fear. Just obey because we have the special anointing. We have the office. Therefore, do whatever we say or lead you to do. We've been given this authority over your life. And it got really bad in American evangelicalism through what was called the shepherding movement. You can't date that person, you 33-year-old church member unless the elders give you permission. You definitely cannot marry this person, but the elders might choose whom you might marry, or you can't take that job. They'll choose, you need to obey them, what kind of job that you could take. Just obey. And because so many of those people were Jesus brought them to himself. As, as Paul said to those elders, man, he shed his blood. He purchased these sheep. You're just under shepherds. You better be, be careful. They just want to do what's right. They don't know. They're, they're new Christians. and Maybe they're just learning how to read their, their Bible. So they were abused and controlled and miserable. And because of that, Christian bookstores were filled with books on finding healing from abusive church leadership. Because those books, 
They were addressing real life experiences of many evangelical Christians. There are leadership styles and leadership theologies that are not biblical. They're not Christ-centered. But instead, there is a manipulative and a coercive use of people in order to enhance their own significance and importance and status and ego. Now, let me say it this way now. Even if a church has healthy biblical leadership, solid biblical teaching, and the leadership with a disposition of actually loving and caring for the people. Got that? For every member of a church, under that authority, it is not wrong for the members to examine the scriptures to see if the teaching is sound. If it stands up to the Bible, in its context, to the scripture, it's good. It's, it's called be Bereans. You know Berea? Luke tells us in Acts 17, verse 11, on one of Paul's missionary journeys, and they went from Thessalonica then to Berea. And now these Jews here in Berea, because they had the written scripture with them too, as they heard them bring that Jesus is the Messiah that the scriptures talk about. He is the fulfillment of it, and they preach the gospel. Now these Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they received the word that was preached with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily in order to see if what these preachers were saying to them were biblical, if it was so. So, look, I... For as long as I've been a preaching pastor today, I love, welcome interaction over anything I teach, over every sermon I preach. I love questions, clarifications. You're not clear. I don't know what you're saying. Someone asked me, it thrills me. When people play the devil's advocate, which is for many of us, what we need to do to say, can I really trust that interpretation of Scripture? Because, Joe, you said this, but you never dealt with this text. So on the surface, it seems to contradict. It doesn't offend me in any way. It makes me really, really happy. Because I, like all elders everywhere on earth, are not, and I am not, and Bob is not, infallible. We are not without error. But this book, Genesis through Revelation, is the 
only, ultimate, infallible, and inerrant truth and guide to all lifestyles and practice. So, test your leaders with a submissive spirit with the Scripture. The members are responsible, this is what he's saying, obviously, I think, to submit when the fallible leaders are about their business of ruling well and teaching God's Word. When they're teaching what you ought to believe, when they're teaching the commands to the Christian that are there in the New Testament, not the ones that churches sometimes make up, you are to submit. Because ultimately, it's not the elder's authority. Ultimately, it's God's authority mediated through the elders. That's what verse 17 is calling for when it says, Obey and submit because it's a blessing. It's for your good. Paul wrote to Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 15, a short little sentence. Now, there's something that came before this. And what came before this was true doctrine, Titus, stick to the word, and tell them how to live their lives, which means do not live in lawlessness, but live godly lives. And then he says this, verse 15, declare these things. And exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So in Paul's meaning in that context, when Timothy is faithful to the scripture about doctrine and lifestyles, to disregard Titus would have been to disregard God, whose word Titus preached. So, obey and submit. Sounds so easy. Except what I... All of those books that have been written and all of the experiences that so many Christians have had in local church experiences, that can make what should be simple much more complex to figure out what all of this obedience and submission should look like. So what I mean is this. The Bible itself is clear that there will be. We submit to this book. This is truth. And you read it. And you read the New Testament. And the New Testament is crystal clear that it will always be true that pastors, elders will go wrong in their lives, and in their teaching. You remember we read it last week. Remember Paul? He gathers all the leaders, all the elders from the region of Asia Minor and all over all those house churches. And he gives them his last speech. And he said this to them in Acts 20, verse 29 to 30. I know 
that after my departure, I'm leaving, fierce wolves will come in among you, church leaders. Not sparing the flock. They're going to devour the people, Jesus' people. And not only that, from among you who are sitting here, some of you will put on wolves' clothing. Among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things in order to draw away the disciples after them. No wonder James says that not all of you be teachers because those who do will have a stricter judgment. So that's crystal clear what Paul just said there. There are elders, pastors, leaders who get way off and they abuse and manipulate for their own gain. Are we to obey them? Are we to obey pastors, elders of local churches, no matter what the church's name is? First Baptist, Holy Roller Church. Presbyterian, Sovereign Grace Fellowship, Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota three years ago when things were being said from the pulpit that were filled with unbiblical leftism, wokeism, anti-racism, which is an encouragement to be a racist, should all of those people obeyed or should have they ultimately done what they did and got rid of the people trying to infiltrate with such doctrine? Yes, they should have done that and did. No. You do not have to obey when it is clear to you that's not what the Bible is saying. I can't with my conscience go that way. This writer to the Hebrews, remember, he's been coming against false teachings that have been infiltrating the church. So when he says this to us in verse 17 of chapter 13, obey and submit, he's not saying always obey in everything those who are in the office of pastor, elder. Always obey everything. Even if they preach to you false doctrine that somehow you think that's not right. Or they preach to you lifestyles that you just don't see they have the authority to tell me that. He's not saying submit to it or obey it. What I mean, look, see, if this principle is true with the apostles, I'm going to show you that it is. Okay? If an apostle... I don't mean like today's apostle, that, that kind of, no. I'm talking about biblical New Testament apostles on a par with Isaiah and Moses because they met the resurrected Lord Jesus in his resurrection and he personally commissioned them apostles. But if we're not to submit to them, if they come back and say something different, then the gospel, how much?
much more. Does all the Christians in the world today are, are not subject to submit to any elders or pastors when they preach something that is against what the Scripture clearly teaches. What I mean, remember Paul said it this way in Galatians 1. Even if we, apostles, I, Paul, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we have already preached to you. Let that person be accursed. As we have said before, so I say now again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And Paul's whole point in that letter to the Galatian churches is that these men claiming authority from Jerusalem who are infiltrating your churches with their teaching, he is saying throughout the letter, do not submit to their doctrine, to what they tell you to do and how you ought to live. And it was, they needed to hear that because some of them were so confused. Do I have to eat this way? Do I, do, do I really need to go get circumcised in order to be saved? Paul's answer is no. The truth of God delivered in the scripture is the standard of all true church leadership. So if from this pulpit I don't preach God's truth that can be seen and understood in an, in an honest reading of the text that is before you, you are not bound to believe it. You might be wrong because you just don't see it yet. And elders should be patient to guide the sheep, to help them and pray for them to see. In light of that, that's why the Apostle Peter directly tells the leaders, the elders, to shepherd, to care for, to feed the sheep, the people, and to never use their authority or their office for shameful gain or for some power-hungry motive. He writes it this way in 1 Peter 5. I exhort the elders. He's writing this massive letter to go to all the churches throughout the known Roman Empire. I exhort all the elders among you as a fellow elder. Here it is. Here's his command. Shepherd. Like a shepherd with sheep. Charge of, caring for, protecting. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, 
exercising oversight, not under compulsion. That's like the Hebrew writer. You want them to do this, be happy about that. It's awesome instead of miserable and groaning. Not under compulsion, but, but willingly as God would have you. Don't do this for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So he says there should not be a domineering over those in your charge. That word domineering literally in the Greek is a lording over. I think what Peter's talking about is what we have come to use a, a term within evangelicalism over the last at least 50 years called spiritual abuse of people. That term in the Greek is katekure. You've heard of kurias, Lord, with the preposition kata, over. Lording over. Using your Authority, I think is the way to say it, without a servant's heart. Trying to get from people what they, the elders, want. Using them as a means to their own end without setting an example for them. Now, I'm going I'm to quote... D.E. Haste, a missionary, because what, what he says here, I think, I don't know how to say it any better. If you just want to know at the core, what's my perspective on that? What does it mean to be an elder, a pastor at its core? What is that authority? Here we go. He writes... What is the essential difference between false and true Christian leadership? When a man in virtue of an official position in the church demands obedience of another, here it is, irrespective of that other person's reason and Conscience. This is the spirit of tyranny. He goes on. When on the other hand, by the exercise of tact and sympathy, by prayer, spiritual power and sound wisdom, one Christian leader is able to influence and enlighten another so that the, the other person through the medium of his or her own reason and conscience is led to alter one course and to adopt another. This is true spiritual leadership. And our text says... Submit, obey the scriptures. 
mediated through the leaders. Now, having said all that, it's clear that leaders not only teach, they got to govern. Let's go this way. Decisions to be made. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an, an account. So they not only teach, but they lead. They lead the community. Why? As we went back last week and said, look, this is all in the context of this whole long sermon called the book of Hebrews. And so it's got a context to it. So let me say it this way. What is the local church? What are these communities, these family of peoples called brothers and sisters? Why do they exist? They don't mainly foundationally exist in order to be an evangelistic association. Is sacrilegious? Is that sounded? It comes from it. That's not why they exist. Or 30 other things that churches may do which are good things. They exist as, as God's family in community in order to have a responsibility for each other. The elders and those under them together. That's why they exist. And in that, they're glorifying God And that responsibility for each other is a responsibility for holding each other accountable. For what? Book of Hebrews. To persevere in obedience of faith. And the elders are to lead in that. And to free the people to do that. Paul's vision too, right? Ephesians 4. The shepherds and the elders. For what? To do the ministry? No. To free the people. To do the ministry. True ministry. Body ministry. Building up the body of Christ. Holding one another accountable. What, with theology. What you think about the gospel and how you live. So what I'm going to do may find it weird, but I'm going to go to a New Testament example because we're going to the ruling part of this accountability to just show an example. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5. And beginning at the very beginning with verse 1, what Paul is doing, he's, he's writing to and he's speaking not merely to the elders. He's speaking to the entire congregation there in Corinth. And the elders, obviously, are going to have an even greater burden to lead in what Paul tells them to do. To make sure biblical discipline was being carried out by the whole church. So he starts in verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. What is he referring to? Next line. What I mean is this. 
A man has his father's wife. A man is shacking up with his stepmom. As a baptized Christian in the church. And Paul responds, verse 2, And you are arrogant, all you Christians there in Corinth. How so? Because they didn't deal with it. Ought you not rather mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from the church, from among you, the church. Okay, so who's going to lead in that ultimately? I say ultimately because Jesus lays these principles out in Matthew 18, and it's usually member to member. You know, and that's my good friend, and you go to them as a fellow believer, and you say, what are you doing? You, you are continually sinning in this blatant way. You must stop. And Jesus says, go tell them just what you said. And if they don't listen to you, then go, go grab another believer in that church and go, go to them and, and both of you now, beg them to repent. If they don't do that, then it's going to go ultimately to the whole congregation. That, that, that's Jesus. R read on here what Paul says. Verse 3, for though I, Paul, am absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled together as the people there in the church, when you're assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. So note, the goal of what Paul just said there is real love for that sinning, professing Christian's soul. That's the whole point. This is an ongoing, unrepentant thing. He's doing. Extreme measures like this are part of watching over the congregation's souls. Paul said to not do it is arrogance before God. The reason the Holy Spirit had Paul lay out this process is to show us his way of getting that brother back into a repentant faith lifestyle. That's the point. Instead of the church letting a professing, baptized Christian continue in, hear me here, open, explicitly forbidden, clearly 
in the Scripture. Not made up church rules. In the Scripture. That kind of unrepentant sin, to not deal with it, would give that brother or sister a false assurance of their salvation. Hey, I'm fine. Look at me. Yes, I go to church. They welcome me all every Sunday. And I confess to Jesus, I'm good to go if I get run over by a bus today. No, no. The Holy Spirit is saying, care for his or her soul. That his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. It is ultimately unloving for elders to just let something like that go and allow that person to deceive himself unto eternal condemnation. We must understand that the gospel, it is proclaimed. It's proclaimed to, in its way, family members of us, friends of us, workmates of us. Oh, you're a Christian. It is constantly being proclaimed to unbelieving communities around the church, meaning the people who are, who are in Jesus in their communities. It's also being proclaimed to each other constantly within our meetings, the community itself. But it's being proclaimed not just what I'm doing now with words. But it's also being proclaimed in church practices. Paul knows that. Look at what he goes on to say in verses 9 to 11 of 1 Corinthians 5. Look, church, I wrote to you in a previous letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning... Obviously, I didn't mean the sexually immoral of this world. I'm not talking about your siblings or parents, or children, or workmates, or friends, or fellow teammates, not at all referring to the sexually immoral of the unchurched, the world, or, or of the greedy, or swindlers, or idolaters. See, if I meant that, you would need to go out of the world. They're everywhere. But... Now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of Christian. Brother, if he is, ongoingly, it's what it means here, guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or reviler or drunkard or swindler. So Paul is saying, hang out with, eat, friendship, evangelize, homosexuals. The sexually immoral, adulterers, drunks, dope addicts, con men, shady business dealers, swindlers. Be a light to them. But 
to have come to a profession of faith in Jesus and, and proclaim that through you being accepted into Jesus' church through baptism where they say, you're one of us, and then to turn again to mock Christ like that man that we just read about was doing to live in an unrepentant, sexual, immoral lifestyle, or drunkenness, or lying, or cheating, or swindling, to do that undermines the gospel of Jesus Christ for which the community stands, if it's left undealt with. And it deceives. It's a vicious thing to do to that professing believer to let it go unchecked because it deceives the person who's living in unrepentant sin about the state of his or her soul. Okay, let's close it. Keep watch over the soul. At its core, as we saw last week, it's which where I want to end it. At its core, that obey and submit means don't be dull of hearing. Hear the word. Check it out. When you see it and you believe it, be grateful. That, that submission going on in our lives. Bear with it. You see what he just said down there in verse 22, real quickly, of Hebrews 13. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. For I've written to you briefly. Well, brief? Okay, however you put that. If you read Hebrews from beginning to end, just like I'm talking right now, it takes an hour. So he calls that whole thing brief. What does he mean? That's what it means. To submit. You bear with it. You hear it. You imbibe it. That same word, bear with my word of exhortation, Paul used in 2 Timothy 4 that we read last Sunday when he said to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience in teaching. Why? Because the time is coming when people will not, here's the word, endure, bear with, same word. They will not bear with sound, healthy teaching. Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. The Word of God is a precious gift. The Gospel is everything. And that's why church leadership is a gift. Treasure it. Obey and submit to biblical, Christ-centered church leadership. Let's pray. Father, thank you. And Lord Jesus, continue to work on us, the great shepherd of the sheep who has placed under shepherds will go to your table, all of us who are baptized Christians. We go to 
eat of your body and to drink of your blood because we are signifying to one another. He died for us and for our sins. Be glorified. Amen. Let us stand.